With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Hello, Rockies fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Pebble Report podcast. My name is Eric Garcia McKinley, and I'm joined, as always, by Sam Bradfield. How are you doing, Sam? Eric, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, really excited about this episode here because we get to talk about some uh, firsthand experience that Sam just had. Um, so tell us, tell us what you did this past weekend, Sam. So I went down to Albuquerque this weekend. Actually, now that I'm up in Denver, it's a it's a six hour drive. You know, jump on 25 and just go. Um, from Phoenix, it was about seven hours up 17, and then you cut across on 40. But I just never really made it except for driving to and from Denver. Um, so I decided to take a trip down and cover the isotopes this weekend just to, you know, meet some of the guys and talk to some guys that I, t- um, covered in the fall league and catch up with them. Um, and just kind of get some, yeah, some firsthand experience and see how everybody's doing. So correct me if I'm wrong though. Was it, um, did they play as the mariachis? Yeah. On Friday it was a mariachis game, um, which was super fun. Uh, just how, yeah. How was that? (laughs) It was cool. Like I got there, uh, I got an email from Kevin Collins, who's their, uh, PR director. And he was like, you can come interview players at from one to two. And I was on the road at that point. So that didn't work after BP, like four 15, four 30 or after the game. And so I got there, I think around three 45 and holy cow, there were people everywhere just lined up and just trying to find, you know, trying to get into the ticket office to get my credential. And even after I got the credential getting into the game, you know, just kind of weaving through the people and figuring out exactly what, like what gate I had to go in and whether or not I needed to stand in line because there weren't any like uh, ticket people out there yet or bag check people. So that there was a line that goes through these double doors that leads kind of into the press area so I wasn't sure if I needed to stand in line or if I could just cut through. So I ended up cutting through and, you know, talked to the the security guy who was inside and he showed me where to go. Uh, but there were people everywhere. And I was talking to Kevin and I also met uh, Andrew Cockrum, who's their other PR guy. And they were just talking about how this happens every time. The Mariachis game is such <laughs> like a big deal. But at least this time around, people got like they brought umbrellas and they seemed to be hydrating properly. It sounds like they've had <laughs> They didn't do that before. Apparently not. <laughs> you know, people, they've had issues of, you know, people passing out. I think they said only a couple people did this time. Um, huh, maybe out of out of towners. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. But there were just <laughs> yeah. people everywhere. And even Kevin was saying he counted the first person was there at 11 a.m. And the gates opened at 430 for a 630 first pitch. Um, oh, nice. And even they were doing a one of the local news stations was doing a story on like the mariachis and the whole like symbolism and the culture and like all this kind of the MILB S divertido kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, he asked if they had any more that they were giving away 
like adult jerseys as their giveaway for that night. And the the camera guy asked if they had any extra jerseys. And he was like, nah, man, they <laughs> I'm pretty sure those were gone in like five minutes. <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. I um, I was looking at the the hats. Like, it is a sweet looking hat, the mariachi's hat. So, I, I I'm not a huge hat collector, but that one might be that one might be on my list. Yeah, I thought about it. I ended up getting a t shirt. It was like a twenty five dollar t shirt. Um, because yeah, I th- I'm not a big hat person either. I have like a couple of Rockies hats, and I did get a Salt River Raptors hat during folly because it was like five bucks at the end of the season. Um. So I thought about it, but I ended up getting getting another T-shirt <laughs> to go with my <laughs> extensive collection of sports T-shirts that's overflowing in my dresser. Um, but yeah, even during the game, they had it was uh, it was tribute to Selena night too. So they had, they had like Selena mm. trivia going cool. on, and then they also had like the national anthem was played by a local uh, high school mariachi group, and then they had like the Spanish dancers, and it was just it was it was super fun. <laughs> That sounds great. That sounds really great. Mm-hmm. It's it's really cool that you're able to get down there for uh for for one of those uh one of those fun weekends. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, but uh, you know, you know, there was also you know players wearing those mariachi uniforms. So who uh which mariachis did you talk to? <laughs> well, the mariachis I talked to on specifically on Friday, I spoke with uh, Rico Garcia, Ben Bowden, and Dom Nunez. And then on Saturday, I talked to Sam Hilliard and Josh Fuentes, who at that point were just, you know, normal isotopes. But <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah. So. So. Um, all right. Well, yeah, these are I mean, these are all super interesting guys right now um, down in AAA. So, um, yeah, let's let's talk about like Rico Garcia. So what did you um, what did you what did you talk to him about? I know he's had some he's had a little bit of some rough starts since his promotion to uh, to AAA. Yeah, I spoke with him and Bowden specifically about, you know, they both started the year in AA and they were both promoted on the same day. Like how have how have they been adjusting? What have they been doing? Um, I spoke with Rico first. He was my first guy that I kind of ran into. We walked into the clubhouse and he was the first guy there. Um, that I needed to talk to. So he was, you know, um, we talked about, you know, your beginning of the year goals and how, you know, how has it been different in AAA, um, you know, call up day and everything. And it it was interesting. I talked to him and Bowden, like, um, I have an article coming up about that's going to feature both of them. And it was interesting kind of hearing them, hearing their different responses to those questions. Um, and just kind of how they like thought about it and how they, how, they responded. So like Rico said, he started the year, you know, um, obviously ultimately the goal is to, to make the big leagues says, uh, I couldn't really jump to conclusions, but you know, I have a lot of, a lot of things to work on. Uh, AAA has been a different experience, but it's coming day by day. And he really kind of focused on the day by day. You can't focus on one star. You have to, you know, learn from it and then move on. And that was kind of his big thing was just take it, learn from it, move on. It's in the past, move on. It's in the past, move on. Um, you know, so what, what, um, what were, what were, what did he identify as, uh, like the major differences that he was seeing in AAA? Um, he said that the, the hitters are better. They'll hit the mistakes much further. Um, so okay. that, that was his biggest thing. Um, and just, you know, working on executing pitches, working on his mechanics, um, and just working on pitching well. So did you did you happen to ask him about uh, the baseball 
because the PCL no, uh, I didn't ask because the PCL the PCL ball is uh, the same as the major league ball this year, which is you know as we know you know the the year of the rabbit ball twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really talk to any of them about ball. I didn't think about that. Um, so yeah. But yeah, so- well, hopefully he's not getting too down <laughs> on these last few starts. Yeah, he I mean, he really like when I asked him about like describe call up day, like what happened, he was he was really like that was his one that he was super excited about. Whereas Ben Bowden, not that he wasn't excited about it, but he had a little bit of a, you know, one of my teammates retired and we just lost the first half and all this other stuff. But we were called up. So that was kind of cool. Whereas Rico was just like, oh, it was so great. The coach sat us down and, you know, he just congratulated us and said that, you know, me and Bowden were going to AAA and it was great. It was tough to leave, but like, it's awesome being here. Um, and yeah, Bowden was like, yeah, my, yeah, my teammate retired and um, we didn't win the first half and <laughs> like kind of all this other stuff. But it was, you know, it's, it's cool to be with Rico. Apparently they're road roommates all the time because they've kind of come up on the same schedule. They were both in Lancaster last year. Rigo got promoted halfway through the season last year, but then they both started in Hartford and were both, you know, bumped up again. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rico, he, I mean, from what you're, from what you're saying, like Rico Garcia really sounds like a, a, a guy easy to root for. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago here and like, you know, 30th round pick, like the odds are against this guy ever. Like, sniffing the majors and here he is on the doorstep you know not a good debut but um in the triple in triple a but you know it sure seems like he's gonna he's gonna take that step sooner or later we'll see but yeah seems like a really easy guy to to cheer for yeah definitely he's yeah he's one that i've you know been keeping an eye on it's just you know i mean writing these pebble reports is always especially with the weekly thing it's like man i'm writing about the same guys over and over and over and over again and i you know especially looking at hartford i was where everybody else has kind of been eh, you know Mm -hmm. going oh i'm writing about rico again and here i'm writing about rico again here i'm writing about rico again okay rico's in triple a who am i gonna write about now (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so what about um so what are what were your other impressions from uh from from ben bowden because i know he had the he had the the futures game inning, uh, which didn't go so well. So what were, what were your impressions from him? And he also, he, he pitched too on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He pitched and had his first ever professional plate appearance. We looked it up. Um, and he has not had a plate appearance since high school. And so he went up there and he walked. So that was pretty exciting. So still hasn't had an official at bat, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Saturday was funny because I talked to Dom Nunez on Friday Sam Hilliard and, Fuente- and Josh Fuentes on Saturday, and they all hit home runs on Saturday. And then Ben Bowden I talked to on Friday, and he had his first plate appearance and walked. So that was kind of fun. I felt like a good luck charm. Okay, so so his first plate appearance since high school, mm-hmm. and he walked. Yes. So did he even swing? I'm trying to remember. I think he did once. When it was really funny because he was <laughs> he was standing on in the on deck circle. And we were trying to figure out who he was getting batting advice from. And he was getting batting advice from Chichi Gonzalez. And so it was, you know, <laughs> oh, that's great. bunting hey, machine. Hey, don't swing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we we're, you know, we were looking down and, and um, what's his name? Frank, the, the official scorer, his name is, I can look it up real quick. Um, Frank Mercogliano. Sorry if I butchered that, Frank. Um, 
was we were looking down and we we're like, who who's he taking bad? Oh, he's taking oh man, he's taking batting advice from Chichi Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so that was really fun. And he pitched really well too. Uh well, bef- before we move on, uh, Chichi Gonzalez came up with Texas. So he was taking batting advice from a guy who has had a total of five major league plate appearances, coming up through Texas and making just a few spot starts for the Rockies. He's had five major league plate appearances all this season with the Rockies. He'd never had any in interleague games with Texas. So that's the guy you look for when you're making your uh, your first <laughs> first uh, plate appearance since uh, since high school. Mm-hmm. Anyways, though, yes. How did he look when he was doing what he's actually being paid for? He, I mean, he looked well. Uh, he looked good. He pitched one and a third innings and got two strikeouts. Um, and then obviously had his his plate appearance. So, yeah, one and one third innings pitched, no hits, mm-hmm. uh, no walks, two strikeouts. Mm hmm. So compared to, you know, so that, I mean, after coming off that features appearance, I think this was, um, this was his first, he had pitched a couple of games since then, but, uh, yeah, he talked, we talked about the futures game because obviously that was kind of fresh in everybody's mind. And he said, you know, he was, he was actually really optimistic about it despite like what happened. Um, you know, he was talked about, he, he, we were treated really nicely and it was really cool. And obviously the game didn't go. As you know, as I wanted, but that's baseball. Um, yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, you know, he he said it, it really lit a fire under him because it was the first time he'd really failed this year, and just having mm. a you know that that experience on a big stage like that was uh, was really helpful. So I think you you know, despite everything that happened, he was he was really optimistic about it, and I think it'll you know, yeah it'll definitely help him in the long run. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's good to hear. That's that's really good to hear. Um, that's quick. You also mentioned that uh, um, Bowden, he's a big dude. Yeah, he's a really big dude. I mean, I talked to mm. uh, Dom Nunez right beforehand, and then I also talked to Rico, and Rico's like five eleven, and Nunez I think is like six foot six one. So they weren't like that much taller than me. Um, I'm about five, six. So, but Bowden's six, four, and I didn't realize how big he was. It was kind of like when I interviewed Sam Hilliard, Sam Hilliard's like six, four, I think also. And it's one of those, oh, hello, (laughs) as you look up at him. (laughs) And Bowden was actually kind of hunched over, I think, trying to, trying to talk into my mic. Um, just kind of trying to get on my level, but yeah, he was a big dude. I didn't realize how big he was, but super nice and i really enjoyed talking to him he had a lot of good insight um as to kind of everything that had been going on this year so cool yeah yeah he's yeah sometimes these even even the way uh players listed it's like yeah yeah i don't know you're bigger than that (laughs) so like i remember the first time the first time i stood next to justin morneau i was like man you were you're not you're not just you're like at least six, five, mm-hmm. probably. I don't know. Or even talking to some of the other, you know, the major leaguers, my first interview ever was, uh, it was Trevor story and Ryan McMahon. And they're both, I think like six, two, six, three. And, and McMahon might be even a little taller, but you don't like you're sitting in the stands, whether you're in like the bottom section or even the top section or just standing kind of watching them on the field. And you're like, okay, they're not, you know, they're six, 
six plus feet tall. They're not that mm-hmm. tall. And, you know, that's they don't look that tall until you stand right next to them. And they're a whole, at least for me, a whole head taller than me. Um, you don't realize how tall yeah. they are until you stand next to them. <laughs> and they still catch yep. me off guard sometimes. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So, yeah, that's that sounds great from Ben Bowden. Um, like I said before, we've talked about him in the past as well. Um, yeah. Hopefully see him. See him pitching for the Rockies soon. See if he can add some of that bullpen depth. Finally, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about Dom Nunez. Like Dom Nunez is a guy I've been interested in for a long, long time. He so the Rockies drafted him as a middle infielder, and then. I'm out of high school and then he converted to catcher. So he's a really athletic catcher um, from what I remember from scouting reports over the past many years now, um, sort of in the same vein as Tony Walters, who is also a middle infielder. And he's a guy who's like, you know, his, his, he, he would hit really, really well. Um, oh, I'll actually be a little bit more specific. Um, he hit really well when he played for Asheville in 2015 not so well after that in what was then the the class A advanced affiliate Modesto hit terribly for Hartford in 2017 not so good in 2018 for Hartford so he's his bat has always been a little up and down but he's always had this really good reputation as a as a good catcher um good on defense um and also at least the impression that I get from uh, from scouting reports is that he's also good with the pitchers. So what did you? So what was? Um, so what were your impressions of Dom Nunez? Um, you know, as as a player, as like a guy that could you know be a major league catcher. Yeah, we talked a lot about. I mean, kind of the same things as I talked to everybody else about. What were your goals? How's everything going? But we also talked about. Um, how he works with the catcher or with the pitchers, I mean, and how he's been developing as a catcher. And he he actually he talked a lot about uh, Drew Butera and how Drew Butera has been really really helping him this year. And even just as a whole, it's nice being in Albuquerque because they get a lot of the rehab guys or um, who come in and they've been really 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 helpful to just everybody. And he uh, he had a lot of glowing things to say about Butera helping him. Um, with a lot of the information there, you know, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of information. He kept going back to a lot of information and Butera being able to kind of go, okay, this is important. Um, this is what you need. If you want this, you can have this, but if you don't, then don't worry about it. And just kind of breaking down, there's a lot of information and breaking it down into, I guess, kind of digestible chunks of, okay, I like this information. This is good information. I'm going to use this. This is kind of not so good information. So I'm just going to ignore that for now. Um, he talked about like working with the pitchers. He said they do, they meet every day, both him and Drew sit down with whoever the starters are, like the starter is and the, and the bullpen guys. And they, they both sit in and they give their input with the starting pitcher that night. And then every series they go over with the bullpen, you know, the hitters that they're going to face and all the information they have and just trying to process it as a group. Um, and then even, you know, yeah, he, he talked a lot about Drew Butera and even, um, developing as a catcher, you know, just like, uh, every year, just learning by, you know, playing by pitch calling, just all the information and make, you know, and, you know, I like this information, um, in doing that and just learning how to kind you know, talked about the everyday grind 
um, mm. in calling games and de- dealing with pitchers, he said. And, you know, there's just so many different personalities. Um, he talked about, you know, yeah, the tough job of being a pitcher and, you know, they're pretty much alone on an island is the best way that they kind of explained it to to the pitchers. So they do whatever they can to help them um, through games, especially when they're struggling. You know, he, he talked about. So, oh, go ahead. He, he, so he, he says that the, the pitchers are alone on an island. Yes. OK, yeah, that's um, that's that's it. That's an interesting description for a pitcher. And it's very true because, I mean, the mound is it, I mean, it sure looks like an island to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, they're out there. And, and, you know, sometimes you have the other the other guys come in. But like, yeah, it's it's that it's that one to one relationship that I think really plays a lot for making a successful catcher and it's interesting to hear about like the mentorship that drew patera seems to be giving him and it makes sense of course like if you're a veteran playing in triple a like what i mean that's that's what you you have to do that i mean like you said they have to work together it's almost like that's just part of drew patera's job now is to like mentor him because they have to work together because they're both working with the same pitchers um but that's really that's really great to hear that he's getting that he's getting those um Sounds like some useful advice from Drew Butera um, down there. Mm-hmm. And then even just kind of talked about, um, you know, his goals were for this season where uh, he talked about offensively, he really wanted to put up better offensive numbers. Um, and obviously he's been doing that. You know, he was like, yeah, I hit, you know, started, I was hitting last year, like 220. Now I'm hitting, you know, 260, 270, 280. Um, he's actually hitting 263 right now. So not quite mm-hmm. that high, but... <laughs> But still, like for him, it's his best best season since, you know, low A. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got 14 home runs and he's been hitting he's been hitting really, really well. Um, mm-hmm. Taking more walks. He's got 32 walks and 57 strikeouts, two stolen bases. Yeah, not bad. So, not bad for a catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it'll I'm I'm very. So, yeah, Dom Nunez is one of these guys who. um who's he's been around he's been in the organization since 2013 um he's been on our purple row prospects lists i think throughout the entirety of that time i i'm gonna guess maybe not he was ranked number 30 last round let's mm-hmm. see if he sticks around this time which that, that'll come up our, our prospect rankings are gonna come out pretty soon let's see if he see if he stays on the list i'm really 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 intrigued by um by how close he is now to the major leagues and you know it's one of those guys that he's been around forever it feels like since organization since 2013 he's only 24 Mm -hmm. and as far as catchers go like they need more time to to develop so so not bad at all no i mean if you think about it that was the same year that um mcmahon was drafted and right and then even you know that was the year that Arenado debuted and so I mean 2013 doesn't it's not that long ago and I mean if you think about it but yeah yeah no McMahon McMahon was uh well actually I'm looking at the wrong I was looking at the wrong page McMahon yeah second round in 2013 Mm. yeah so yeah he's been around as long as Ryan McMahon is the same age as McMahon, but catchers take longer to develop because they have a they have a more I mean really they have a harder job 
yeah definitely especially Um, as a converted catcher so but yeah after i never really like i had heard about him and i know you know talking to people in the organization you know like namely drew creaseman who i know is a a huge you know dom nunez guy and he's always been a big dom nunez guy so i've heard about nunez and i've kind of paid attention to him but now after talking to him i think i'm i'm on the dom nunez fan wagon so (laughs) he's a guy i'm gonna (laughs) yeah i think he'll be easier to root for all right great well um uh unless you have any other uh thoughts um from your past weekend um we can leave it we can leave it there any other any other final words for your weekend in uh albuquerque watching uh the mariachis and the isotopes um not a lot i mean yeah i talked to sam hilliard and he was I talked to him in October, and so he remembered me, which was kind of cool. We just talked a lot about goals and his experience in AAA. Um, so that was that was really cool, just having kind of that moment of you know meeting him last October and him coming in, and rem- that made me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll kind of see. I mean, yeah, he had another another homer. I don't think he struck out at all actually on Saturday night, um, which was kind of fun. Um, cause he's been, you know, striking out a little bit more than I think everybody wants him to. Um, but overall, yeah. Um, Albuquerque was fun. It was a different experience being in a, a smaller town and a smaller, smaller press box with only like a writer from the journal and then the Albuquerque journal. And then, you know, the official scorer and the PR department and the replay guy. And like, there were, I think there were only like seven people in the press box, including me. Um, so it was just, it was a different experience. And I, I been to, I went to an isotopes game just as a fan a couple weeks ago. Um, and that was fun, but yeah, just, I don't know. Overall, it was really, really fun. And I, I'd love to go down again <laughs> if I can find a, find a weekend to do that. So. All right. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to find your way down there again. Sounds like, uh, it was a good time. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess that will do it for, uh, this episode of the, Pebble Report podcast. Uh, Again, I'm Eric Garcia McKinley. Um, All right. Thanks. Thanks, Sam, for uh, sharing your insights. Yeah. Thanks, Eric, for having me again. All right. Until next time.